I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. This is Matt Orlove, and you're listening to Rebel Radio. Fuck you, Josh. What the fuck, man? <laughs> What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up? What up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh, Rebel Radio is going down. What do you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I talk to the Rebels that are shaping youth culture. We find out how they do it, why they do it, and what you can do to get a little piece of the pie for yourself. And we're also the only show to bring you new music every week from our friends over at EDM.com. I'm your host, Josh Levine. Check it out. My man, Matt Orlove, is in studio with me this week. Matt's the CEO of Orlove Entertainment. Um, they produce over 200 events a year all over the country. Some parties you might know, like Wicked Paradise, Panic in L.A., Daft Brunch, uh, many others. He's got some great stories about creating an experience for his guests and why customer service is important and kind of overlooked in the nightlife business, um, and why his background in ad sales was good training for the job he's in now. Some great stories coming up from Matt Orlove right after the EDM.com track of the week. Peter Payne with Running Back to You, the EDM.com track of the week. If you like that one, get over to EDM.com, check out more new music. And now let's get into the interview with Matt Orla. 
we should let it in girl we should let it in when you go on i'm just yeah. on with some it's new true. things break up make up but thanks for doing this man i'm, I'm excited to talk to you I'm, i've been looking at all your parties online and uh reminds me i need to get out more often well <laughs> thanks uh, for having me because it looks like looks like you're doing really fun stuff yeah and um the fact that you said you're you're not out all the time i think is even more interesting well i'm almost 40 yeah in three weeks uh-huh so i'm just focused on on work and family when's your birthday january 25th oh, okay and i have baby number three wow. coming awesome congratulations somewhere around that thank you that's exciting yeah i can't imagine what having three kids is like do you have any i have one you have one times three yeah <laughs> At least you have to have. Uh, uh, I'm lucky to have a wife who does the majority of the hard work. Sure. So that's good. Yeah. And then I can focus on, on my stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, let's talk about how you got started. Uh, and and I'm, anyway, I got a bunch of questions about sure come club, to about club life. But, okay. Um, do you remember the first record that you bought or that? like really impacted you impacted or first record oh let's uh, okay, both. we could do both okay the first let's go back way back in time the first cassette tape i got yeah was probably in 19 somewhere 1984 to 1986 i can't remember was licensed ale mm -hmm. was, was uh bc boys nice it's a good place to start my my first cd when cds first came out i was in london was this compilation album that the Beach Boys put out called Still Cruising. Oh, cool. And it was all the Beach Boys songs from movies. So like Kokomo, uh -huh. uh, uh, the Big Chill had a, had a, wouldn't it be nice, like all those mm -hmm. songs. Looking back at it, it's definitely not the best Beach Boys album, but it was the first <laughs> sure. CD I ever got. I would say the first... Um, album that really impacted me when I was really young was Midnight Marauders oh, okay. the Tribe Called Quest yeah. Listen up everybody the bottom line I'm a black intellect but I'm refined we precision like the bullet target bound just living like a hookup the hardest um, and I've always been more of like a full album yeah listener yeah as opposed to just one track so that's kind of been my thing sure what about you um well, my uh, the first record I bought was a seven inch. Mm -hmm. It was a Smokey Robinson. Which Tell one? Me Tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And um, I did, I've told this story, which is it's embarrassing, but like I didn't realize that you're supposed to keep records mm -hmm. at the time. So um, you threw them all out. That one, like I got tired of playing it, so I started breaking it. Like I, oh. was, I was like <laughs> play frisbee with it. Um, that was the only record I did that with. After yeah. that, I actually have all my records mm -hmm. since then. But um, but I was super young, mm -hmm. whatever. And then, like, the first hip-hop record I bought, or, like, 12-inch single, was mm -hmm. uh, Double Dutch Bus. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that like, it was like, as soon as we heard hip-hop, and we didn't know mm -hmm. what it was, there wasn't a name for it yet, that just was the thing, mm -hmm. you know. And it, it, so it was amazing how, like, that just took over Is, our lives. and that's and that's your that's always been the music you've gravitated yeah, uh, towards or yeah. you're all over no i love 
lots of different types of music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, over the years, I got into house and mm-hmm. the like electro rock, and even then, you know, there was an era, there was a year when all the cholos I knew at school got into heavy metal. Mm-hmm. And so I got exposed all of a sudden to Judas Priest mm-hmm. and Metallica and Black Sabbath and stuff. That's not, but it's funny how, like, there's songs that I love or albums, mm-hmm. but that's not my music. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't speak to me in the sense of, like, um, you know, I kind of feel like a visitor in that world. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I knew guys who, like, had long hair and leather mm-hmm. jackets and just smelled like weed all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, that was their thing. But, you know, that wasn't my life. Have you been to heavy metal shows? I went and saw Black Sabbath about 15 years ago. Mm-hmm which was pretty amazing because we walked in to the forum and it was their reunion. You know, they hadn't played together in however many years. Mm -hmm. And uh, you saw guys who looked like they hadn't been out of the house since the last (laughs) week's tour. Just like Pendleton's and and long hair. Yeah. You know. um, And Ozzy was amazing. Oh, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And then the next year they launched OzFest. I I forget when that was, Mm -hmm. but it was about 15 years ago. Um, I don't know if I've been to other metal shows, but I, I you know, it's, I grew up going to like, first of all, we started clubbing really early, like 14 mm-hmm. in San Francisco. What, what, what year? Like what? Uh, so I was 14 in 86. Okay. 85. Um, and, and it, so at that time there was this like house music wasn't quite there. It was just sort of forming. Mm-hmm. So you'd go to these clubs that played disco and funk and soul mm-hmm. and hip hop. And then, you know, in what, 89, they started adding some house, mm-hmm. you know, acid house, like that kind of thing. And it was this very, you know, I guess now we call it open format, mm-hmm. although open format tends to be more contemporary. Mm-hmm. But this was just like something from Is the it, 70s, the 80s. So it's really eclectic mix. Yeah. yeah, totally. And that's just what clubs were mm-hmm. at the time. And it wasn't, I think, until much later that everything got specialized. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about you, though. Yeah, um, go ahead. How did you, so you you have this great event business mm-hmm. now. How Did you grow up clubbing and going to parties and all that? I did. I, 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 uh, I went to University of Miami. Uh-huh. So I was in Miami in uh, 97 to 2001. So South okay. Beach was definitely popping. Yeah. But it was a different time. So, you know, Carl Cox and... Paul Van Dyke and Oakenfold and all those guys would be at the clubs, but you wouldn't actually see them. Right. So you go to the clubs and they'd, they'd be in a DJ booth yeah. and you'd be picking up women and drinking totally. and doing all that kind of things. So um, when I left college, I moved to LA and the whole electronic music scene definitely changed, became more of a spectacle. Sure. So I kind of missed a lot of that. Swedish House Mafia, like mm-hmm. Avicii. I, I never really listened to that. So I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't listening to it or going to those shows. Um, my background is is in sales and marketing. Mm. I spent um, many years in television ad sales. I worked at KTLA. Oh wow! Um, What's that like? It was great. I mean, it was it was. What did you learn from that experience? That you so applied? so KTLA was 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 owned by I don't I can't I don't even know if they're still owned by Tribune, but it was a Tribune property. Yeah. So it was you know. Getting up every day early, wearing suit and tie, very like buttoned up corporate world. Sure. Um, and that's definitely formed me to the to who I am today in, in business. Yeah. 
Um, I left. I was probably in TV ad sales for eight years. Mm. And I left at an interesting time because advertisers were diversifying their ad spend on internet sure. and TV. Yeah. When I was there, it was mostly in TV. Right. So um, my first exposure to the events world was at a company called Junebug in New York. Okay. And they do somewhere between between 200 and 300 New Year's Eve parties a year wow. all over the country. So they'll buy out a venue, they'll bring in $500 DJ and people will pay $200 for an open bar package. Sure. Yeah. So I learned the event side from that. And then when I when I moved back to LA, I wanted to start a business with my knowledge of events. Mm -hmm. And then mix in the the music side of it. Yeah. So that's how we got here. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was the first party? So the first, well, I will say that it, it took me I think eight or nine months just to book my first show. Is that right? Yeah. So were you still working in, in uh, KTLA at the time? No, 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 no. I, I so you KTLA. I, I had left, and I, I ended up working for oh for Jumbo. Uh, for a rep firm first. Okay. Uh, television ad sales rep firm where we would represent hundreds of TV stations all over the country but an advertiser could just go to us to book ad time right. at different stations sure. so when I left LA it was probably in 2004 2005 mm -hmm. and then I moved to New York and then I did so the first show I booked was it's it's, a, it's an interesting story was uh, Penguin Prison okay and this was at Sound Nightclub, and I definitely overpaid. Yeah. And I got lucky because RAC was playing a two-night show at, at the Fonda, uh -huh. and his album had all of these support artists on it, and Penguin Prison was on that album, mm. so it was an excuse for him to come out to L.A., play that show as a surprise guest, and then also have his own headlining show at Sound. Nice. So... um on that show, we had him. We had Sunburn before cool. he went to CAA. And then we got lucky because Goldroom and The Knox and Carl Kling all came from the Fonda show mm -hmm. and then played a surprise set at oh, our nice. show. So it ended up being a, a special night. Yeah. And uh, we were off. That's cool. Uh, the first night I did, so I threw parties a little bit mm -hmm. on the side. Um, and the first night, I learned so many incredible lessons. Uh, we did a, <clears throat> we did like a benefit thing, so mm -hmm. we didn't pay any talent. We paid way too much for the venue, mm -hmm. and we learned about controlling the door, mm -hmm. which we did. We didn't. We lost a bunch of money and and whatever. But it was a show. Um, it was a show. We had Easy E was mm -hmm. the host. And so it was like Ruthless Records. Mm -hmm. So he brought um, Afghan Clan, who became Black Eyed Peas. Mm -hmm. And we got uh, Funk Dubious, who brought Cypress Hill. Mm -hmm. so we, and then I forget who even DJed. Uh, but we had this like huge bill. Mm -hmm. It was, and it was, so it was like way, um, it was way more than we were ready to take on. Mm -hmm. Me and two other guys who all had jobs mm -hmm. and we're just trying to do this on the side to have fun and make money how was it oh it was great the turnout was great was, yeah it was gr amazing turnout um how did you market that show because this is like 
before this was 92 i think mm-hmm. um 93 it was it was flyers just flyers yeah this was when you could go to kinko's and make as many copies as you want mm-hmm. and then tell them how many copies you made <laughs> the so, honor system yeah totally so kinko's operated that way for a long time at mm-hmm. the beginning right they didn't have those counters or now the credit card thing so the big question is were you honest of course I was. Is that, <laughs> he winked. Skin goes listening. He winked. Um, <laughs> of course, no. So I mean, we would. So we had black and white flyers, mm-hmm. and then we did, and then I would use their color thing, and like just get a ton of copies. Yeah. And um, hand to hand. Did you get some time to talk to Easy? A little bit. I so my partner on that show worked for him. Mm-hmm. Worked at Ruthless, and so I kind of got to know him. We didn't really talk that night, but mm-hmm. but yeah, a little bit. He's a trip. Yeah. Um, uh, just a massive character persona. I'm, yeah, I imagine. Like, you know, you just walk in the room and like, he's taking over the whole room. Yeah. Um, uh, but it was. But it's interesting. You say that it took you, you know, so long to book that show because I think. You know, we did this thing where we, you know, we put months of our lives into building this show, mm-hmm. um, had a great night, lost some money, and then never kind of thought about it again. That was it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a few years later, I started with a different partner and we started doing regular shows and, mm-hmm. and ended up having it like a decent run. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know... We didn't know at that time to think of this as a business mm-hmm. and the thing and like, you know, if I were doing it now, I would have probably woken up the next morning and go, OK, what did I learn? Mm-hmm. How do I apply that to the next thing? And let's just keep it going yep. and realizing that success comes over time. Mm-hmm. You know, I had lofty goals for our first show. Yeah. Um, you know, I was going all, to all the big agencies. And their big question is, what have you done before? Sure. Yeah. And I, I just, I had nothing. Right. So, um. Were you honest? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they could probably. Yeah, they could, they could have. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't, it, it wouldn't have worked out. If, right. So, but I lost a ton of money on the first one. I was, I was getting photo booths and paying for this and putting this other support acts on and just doing all this stupid stuff. But, you know. I learned a lot for sure, um, and I don't take, you know, I don't look back at it as a bad experience for sure. losing money because the, the event was amazing, yeah. and it got me to step two. Everything was about getting to the next step, to yeah. the next step, to the That's next huge. step. So um, you know, now we're doing close to 200 events a year. Crazy. Um, this past weekend we did five or six. I think we did five. Yeah, we did six, six wow. events. Yeah. Um, in, in multiple cities. So we can do stuff at the same time. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's been a, it's just been a, it's been a, a very interesting, uh, experience to where I am now. But you know, we have a, a long way to go. So did you have that? You know, like I said, you did the first show, you lost money. Mm-hmm. Like, was that a? Um, were you already in the mindset that like we get to the next step, or did you have to kind of pull yourself no. out of that? I had, I, I think I had already booked my next two or three shows yeah. at that point. Yeah. Um, because I had never booked 
talent before. I didn't really know an artist's worth. I didn't know sure. how much they were worth. Yeah, and, yeah, of course. And I just would guess, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, Agents are not that helpful. In that no, no. It'd be a lot easier if they were just like, I need yeah. X amount. For sure. I think Saturn does that. Is that I think right? the Saturn cars... Oh yeah, I think, I think every dealership has the same. They're out of business now. Yeah, I was gonna say no. I don't. I don't know anyone who has a Saturn. But um, <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> My son gets really excited every time he sees a Saturn on the. Really? Street. I think it's maybe the name. Yeah. Also because it's a rare car. He's like, "That's rare. Is that like, right? <laughs> you know, like it's a special thing?" I'm like, "No, they stopped making them." <laughs> How old's your son? Nine. I was gonna say if he was like one and a half and he was oh, able yeah. to read, that'd be amazing. He's been in the cars from as long, as long as he could talk. Like yeah. He, he, we used to walk down the street and he would name the the cars from the mm -hmm. from the badges. And um, but like Saturn, you know, he gets excited about like Saturn and Bugatti. Those are like the two. That's a that's a big because they're rare. Because in L.A. we see you know Porsches and Ferraris, right? And Lamborghinis every day, but you don't see Saturns or Bugattis. That's that's great. <laughs> That's really funny, yeah. Oh, sorry, I, I cut you off. I can't. I now I forgot what we were talking about. I just can't stop thinking <laughs> of Saturn. <laughs> um, you were talking about uh, learning how to pay, what to pay for talent. Yes, yes, yes. You know, it took time, and you know, I found this is this is a, an interesting thing. I found the more you spend, if you do it the right way. On bigger talent, usually the reward is better. You know, you usually you, you you spend X amount on on an artist that is pretty big, and most of the time, if it sells out, you're in good shape. Yeah. Um. I, I, over time, I've I've I have a good sense of what's going to sell and what's not going to sell. How so do you, it's how do you how do you develop that? Like, what's the <sighs> I mean, it's, I can't, it's hard to explain. There's a lot of, I probably have done three, 400 events at this point yeah. where we booked artists and, but you're not, you kind like, of, you're not booking pole star shows, right? No. I mean, so is there data to, I don't really, you know, I, I, I looked at pole star when I first started. I don't, I don't really pay attention to that yeah. anymore. Um, you can just kind of tell who's like hot now, mm -hmm. you know, who's, who's releasing things that are, that people are really listening to, who's popping up on, on all the big festivals. Just get a sense. So how much like, you know, anecdotally, if you talk to people mm -hmm. who probably don't know what they're talking about, like they'll say, um, you know, to, to get a good booking, you need like Instagram followers or you need. Like how, how much are you looking at that? I, d I don't. It's 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 sometimes you do and sometimes you don't because there's some artists you've never heard of before, yeah. and they have these insane social media numbers. And sure. I'm sure if you book them, that some of them probably wouldn't even sell 50 tickets. Right. So I don't I don't look too closely into social media, but sometimes I do. Yeah. Um, an interesting trick that I always do is, um, on Facebook if you have uh, a lot of friends on Facebook, mm -hmm. you can look up an artist and it'll show you all of your friends that follow that right. artist. Yeah. So that sometimes helps a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
it's just one of those things like you know there's there's a lot of artists that that are really trending and you, you go for those and I, another good one is is artists who might not play that often mm -hmm. that's that's another good one uh to, to go after as well yeah what do you think about that like i know uh you know, there's the issue of overexposure, mm -hmm. right? And and there's different thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly for DJs, I think, you know, there are some DJs that play every night mm -hmm. in LA. You know, if you're a local working mm -hmm. DJ, you play every night. Mm -hmm. And um, so how do you how do you sort of judge whether somebody is overexposed or like what that's going to do to their draw? Well, I think like, you know, managers and agents that's something that they really take into account yeah because you know you don't want your artist who's coming in from you know new york city for example to come to la and have them play like four or five times a year right because eventually even if they're really hot like ticket buyers aren't going to go to every People one of those shows yeah. so um the best way to do it in my opinion is is just have them come once mm -hmm have them play somewhere really big and um, don't overexpose them. Yeah. Um, it's different. You know, there's, there's some artists who, you know, you put them in a 400 person room and it does really well. Mm -hmm. You can bring them back like seven or eight months later, put them in a bigger room and it should sometimes do okay. Sure. Um, you know, the, the, the DJs who, who play on a weekly basis, they're not ticket sellers. Right. Um, but there's a lot of really good ones and it's great to also be able to expose them to like some of the shows that we do, yeah. put them on the lineups, have them play. Yeah. You know, they're not going to draw tickets. Right. Um, but hopefully the headliner does. And then you just know that the, the night music's going to be great. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I've always found that's a really interesting balance. I was actually talking to a friend of mine last week that does a big conference. Mm hmm. And he said kind of the same thing, right? That um, you book these headliners mm -hmm. <clears throat> who may or may not sell tickets. Like oftentimes the big names are not the ones that sell tickets in mm -hmm. his business, right? But it's this other layer where maybe the big names help get the other people, mm -hmm. right? And so I think, you know, that may be different for your business, but there is an issue of what gets people in the door, mm -hmm. what gets them to come back, right? And, and I think those are often two different things. Mm -hmm. right. I think, you know, the, the experience is really important too. Yeah. Um, hopefully the artists do their jobs. And then the second part of it is, you know, does the person show up and are the people at the doors friendly to them? Yeah. Um, does the sound at the venue, is it hold up to what they expect? Is it yeah. really good music? Sure. Um, after the fact, someone loses their their wallet or somebody has a bad experience because of whatever reason right you know if they contact you or do you do you get back to them on a timely fashion and help them out yeah. these all these things like attribute to the person's experience and sometimes it gets to a point where you your brand becomes strong enough where people just trust that whatever you're doing is really good absolutely and you don't have to bring in those massive names bring in names that someone might not have heard of, but they'll go because they trust the brand and they end up liking it. Yeah. How do you, um, as a as a business leader, mm -hmm. 
how do you build that into your company? How do you get people thinking about the experience that they're creating? Well, we're very hands-on. Um, you know, we send out, I'll give you a good example. When we sell out a show, most most companies they sell out the show. It's it's all great. It's sold out. Mm -hmm. Everyone just comes. Um, you know, we'll take the time to actually send out a mailer or an email to everyone who purchased tickets and give them instructions. You know, this is going to be a completely packed night. Yeah. Just be prepared. Yeah. Come early. These are things that you should look out for. Um, you know, most of the bigger companies don't have time to do that. Sure. Um, and I think it's definitely important because yeah. it, it gives us like a, a voice. So people can, you know, I, I get emails to my personal email all the time from customers because right. I put it out there because yeah. I know if someone needs something, I, I just want to make sure that they, I mean, I think that makes a massive difference, mm -hmm. and especially to your point, like really the job of promoter is to be the, you should be what attracts people, yep. not the act. Mm -hmm. right. A little, it's, it's a mean, little, it's a little of both. both. Yes, for sure. It's a little of both. If you're if you're a bad promoter, or you're a bad event producer, and you bring in a big act, I mean, you 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 mess up too many times, and eventually right. someone's not going to want to yeah give you their money to see the of course to see these things. Um, and when it comes to leadership, to go back, you know, yeah, the we have a great staff that work with us. Um, sometimes pre-event, sometimes during the event, sometimes mm -hmm. post-event. Um, and it's important that since usually they're the ones who are at the events, that they understand our ethos of, of how we want it to be around customers. Yeah. And they can see it because we're that way and it rubs off on them. And then they start becoming, you know, leaders and yeah. they, they start becoming um, exactly what we, we look for. Nice. So, um, you have multiple different parties. Yes. Right? And if I understand it, each one is like, they're kind of genre-based. Yes. So, um, we, we, we're partnered with a company called uh, La Faire Musicale. Okay. So, we do all of our events together. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a long story of how we, we, we became a team. Yeah. Um, but... When we started, all of our events were branded as La Faire Musicale and Orlov Entertainment Presents. Mm -hmm. And probably after like a, a year of doing that, a lot of our peers would say like there, there was no brand awareness because it was just these two company names producing X. Right. So around that time, we decided we would start creating brands. Mm -hmm. So instead of branding everything as La Faire Musicale and the World of Entertainment, we would brand them as Wicked Paradise, for example, which yeah. is our daytime pool boat party brand that we that we do parties all over the country. I'm a huge fan of day parties. I am as too. As a guy that I am likes too. to go to bed early. I am too. I, yeah. We, we were talking about this before. Yeah. If, if I'm up past 10 o'clock, I feel like I'm doing something wrong at this, at this totally. point. Totally. Yeah. yeah. But, um, so so we have uh so wicked paradise is one of our brands we okay. have a a genre bending hip-hop brand called panic in la um what does that mean genre bending? so the idea behind it is we would blend old school with new school mm -hmm. b 
beats with rap okay with so the first one we did was uh turntablism so the first one we did was dj Premier with um craze nice and giraffage and starro wow and um we did another one last year raekwon was on it with sango and pomo mm -hmm. and mixmaster mike and um it, you know it's it's a way to to bring in different audience yeah because you've got an audience that that knows sango yeah who probably might not have ever listened to wu-tang before because they're right. so young so they don't know raekwon yeah and then vice versa you've got all the old school raekwon fans who have never heard of sango so you can expose them to all of it i want to go to london tokyo paris new york shottown sydney spain okay. yeah, talk about that a little i mean there you know hip-hop especially i mean i guess rock's been through it mm -hmm. um but there's a lot of talk about a generation gap right and there's you know the youngsters who are criticizing the old guys and vice versa mm -hmm. you know the old guys don't like mumble rap or mm -hmm. whatever um what's been your experience with getting those guys in a room together and like the and the and the crowd seeing how the crowd responds so i don't like mumble rap okay i don't really get it um but there is a ton of really good hip-hop yeah today yeah Vince Staples just put out a good album. Sure. Earl Sweatshirt. There's Big Crit. There's tons of guys. Yeah. Um, I can't speak for anybody, but I would guess that if you liked the old school 90s hip hop that mm -hmm. you and I probably love, mm -hmm. that you would probably like that. Mm -hmm. And same thing back and forth. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we're curating a lineup like that, we like all of the music on that lineup. So our hope is that somebody who's not exposed to that music that is on that lineup yeah. will go because they know the other acts and they would they would enjoy it. Sure. How much do you book stuff that you don't personally like? I I would say I like ninety five percent of the things that we do. Okay. Um I'm not at a point right now where I'm booking acts that I don't necessarily like. If there's an act that's going to make me twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars that I don't like the music, like I'll probably like them. Like, <laughs> you know, I'll like the, I'll like them while I'm yeah, while we're great. doing it. Yeah. But but now I you know I can be a little more selective of, of the kind of things that I like. Right. Because hopefully, if I like it, other people like it as well. Um, you know, we're doing a, an event this weekend. There's a, a, a brand that we have a partner in New York created called the drop and it's an old school dubstep party. Oh, cool. So it's a format party where the DJs come in, they play all that. And I, I'm not, I'm not in the dubstep at all. Yeah. Um, but it's a format party. So we're not really booking massive acts for that. We right. just have really good DJs who are going and playing that format. Yeah. So, uh, so back to that that idea you've built all these brands yes um how much is the crowd different from one to the other it's very different is it it's very different yeah wicked paradise is you know a much older demographic uh -huh. when i say much older i mean you know 25 through 34 okay um that's the older demo 
that's the older demographic okay. compared right. to the we'll yeah, go back cool, yeah. I get it. um you know we do them at like we do a lot uh we have a residency at the delano in miami beach which mm -hmm. is just a higher end venue sure. so it brings in a different crowd yep. um we did an event this past weekend with majestic casual mm -hmm. um it was 18 plus and the crowd was much different you know yeah. 18 to 24 you know into that selection type music mm -hmm. so you know i think diversifying the music the brands is a is a really good way to be able to do multiple things okay. on a weekend even if it's in the same city sure. it's in different cities it doesn't make a difference but if you're doing stuff in the same city and it's not competing with each other it works so do you have to talk to those audiences differently no not really i mean you know I think what's important is the aesthetic of the brand of, okay. of, the, of the artwork mm -hmm. that you're pushing out. Um, you definitely want to cater that towards your audience, towards right. the artists, because right. you're, I think the artists have a lot to say with what kind sure. of um, demographic that they bring in. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to like the, the marketing side of it, you just know who to go after. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're doing a majestic casual show, you know, you're not going after that like 28 29 30 year old who goes to right. sky bar to buy to buy tables right. bottles yeah, so it's course. different yeah yeah interesting um what's been some favorite nights that like have affirmed your, your choice to be in this business yeah we just had a bit we just had a great one are you familiar with mark rebelay no so mark rebelay is this internet sensation okay um he's you probably have seen it pop up on youtube or social media because it's all over the place mm -hmm. his glasses and a mustache and he basically does this crazy improvisational like piano where oh wow where, but but he, but he's like a comedian yeah but he's also an amazing musician nice so it's it's a mix but he went from like when when i first saw him he had five thousand followers on facebook mm -hmm. and when we booked him, he probably had like 76,000 followers. And then from the span of when we booked him to the show, which was maybe like two months, he's now at like a half a million. States doing yeah. shows all over Europe so we just did his LA debut this past Friday and you know when you debut when you do like a debut and you you know everyone's going there for like the first show mm -hmm. it just it just feels really special the energy is sure. really great in the room so that was definitely a great one um, Julie and I first started working together on uh, when we did Georgia Giorgio's disco mm -hmm. familiar with Giorgio's yeah yeah I, I go to you go to the standard sometimes, yeah, yeah. Saturday. So we worked with their team and did um, their five-year anniversary. Oh, cool! Which was Giorgio Moroder's birthday. Yeah, 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 yeah. On his actual birthday. Right. And um, it was him. It was Roy Ayers uh -huh. playing live. Nice. Aeroplane and Yacht Live. Oh yeah, that was last month. That was in Mar March. March. Oh, okay. It's I remember I was gonna go and then I missed it. So. You fell asleep? No, I was. Uh, I might have been at South by or I was somewhere. I was out yeah. of town. Yeah, it was. we're we're gonna we're gonna do another one nice. with them this year. Cool. 
So that was an, again That's like, the only club I go to like which, with any Oh, the, to the standard? Yeah. I've never been. That oh, is wow. way past my bedtime too. That's hilarious. But this one was was uh 1500 people. Wow. Um we did a crazy production with handmade disco ball uh -huh. concoction. And it was it was on a uh, a Wednesday night, I believe. Mm -hmm. But it was his actual birthday. Cool. And it's just it's just one of those things like you just the energy was just so high. Like nobody left till the very end. He didn't come on till like midnight. Yeah. Um so that was a great one. And then the other one that comes to mind was uh, are you familiar with FKJ? No. So FKJ is um he's just a complete genius. He's he is like a one man show who plays bass and guitar oh, wow. and keyboards and does it all simultaneously. Yeah. So we did his, he's from France, we did his uh, LA debut four years ago. And again, it's just like, just, right. you go in a packed room like that, yeah. and it's just complete focus on the artist. And sure. the artist is doing this like amazing thing. It just, just feels really good. Yeah. But I, I, I'm proud of, I, I can say I'm proud of the majority of things that we do. If you're enjoying this one and you like these stories of, uh, of clubbing and nightlife, let's go back into Rebel Radio archives. Check out my interview with Adam 12. He's actually been on the show twice. Uh, both really good interviews. He's, uh, he's an old friend and, and a great DJ and one of the, the, the highlights of LA's nightlife these last couple decades. So uh, you can enjoy that one after you finish up here with Matt Orlo. Well, you knew, because um, you knew they were there. Yeah, yeah, sure. But you didn't. It, it I don't remember focus. ever. Yeah, it wasn't right. the focus. Yeah. Um, how do you think? How do you think that culture? What am I trying to say? Um, how has nightlife's place in culture changed since you started? Hmm. It's, it's hard for me to answer that because I haven't really gone clubbing myself in, I don't know, like seven, eight years. Wow. So it's, I'm sure it's changed a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's changed that much when okay. it comes to like nightlife and club culture. <clears throat> I think that like, you know, the beauty of, of this business is no matter what you're 21 you're 22 you're 23 you're gonna go out it might be to a dive bar sure might be to a club so that is i don't think will ever change yeah. um i do think the the spectacle maybe has has changed a little bit at on the on the grander scale at the bigger places but i think when you get to the nitty-gritty of it like around the world I, I don't think it's really changed that much okay Drinks have probably become more expensive, and sure. it probably costs more money to actually go. Yeah, you know, door might be like forty dollars for right. some places. Tables and stuff. Yeah, I mean, what yeah. do you think? Well, I I think um, 
I mean, I've seen the changes, right, mm -hmm. from the DJs being in the booth. Mm -hmm. to, I remember, so we, we used to do all the parties for Scion. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was these DJs, Holland Mason, mm -hmm. who requested to be on the stage. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time I'd had, uh, we had sometimes had DJs on the stage, but it was like, they were or they weren't, mm -hmm. right? But this was the first time when they, they were like, we want to be front and center. Mm -hmm. And then now you see that's the way it it's is. It's a norm, right? yeah. Um, so we saw that. I think then, you know, we saw, um, you know, the 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 Lindsay Lohan era. Mm -hmm. um, and I used to do a party with, with Aoki and Frankie Chan mm -hmm. around 2005, right? So that was kind of the heart of that, mm -hmm. um, where it was really about the spectacle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess to some extent it always was, mm -hmm. right? But then all of a sudden you had social media, mm -hmm. you know, and blogs and all that fueling that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, the way I, I guess what I'm interested in is you hear all these stories about. Um, I had Louis Vega on the show, mm -hmm. and he was talking about how you know he go make a record, and then take it out that night and go play it at the club, and it would break the record, mm -hmm. right? And I think you hear the same of Funkmaster Flex or these times where that was happening. I don't know if that's happening as much anymore, mm -hmm. where the club is the place that, that records start and that music mm -hmm. is discovered. Um, that's, that's interesting. I'm not sure either because I feel like there's always like a plan. You have a record sure. that's that you have coming out. There's a much bigger plan. Yeah to have that record released. But I do think for sure that artists will still preview that at their events. Mm -hmm. I just don't know how many people are actually like, will, would actually recognize it, right. that that's what's happening. Because yeah. it's not something they, they'll, most of the time they would announce. Yeah. Um, but that that is really cool that, that Louis does that. That's, I like yeah, that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, you know, uh, that stuff keeps shifting, mm -hmm. right? And I think, you know, people going to see Louis Vega play, kind of to your point, are, are having a different type mm -hmm. of experience than, you know, going to see a, a rap show or, sure. or you, know, buy a, you know, buy a table in Vegas. Right? Sure. Like those are just different, there's different purposes for mm -hmm. those things. Um, so for me, I think it's, maybe it's just more varied than it used to be and we used to think of club culture as this kind of one thing mm -hmm. um, which could just be evolving. there's 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 m much more options yeah. today i feel yeah. like back in the day there was probably like three or four places that you go to and that's where everyone right. went to yeah, sure. now now especially like in la or new york or chicago yeah i mean just the variety of things that you can do right it's just so different for sure I remember I used to, uh, after we lost all that money, the, the next big party we did was a Tuesday night at uh, Key Club. Mm -hmm. Not one of Key Club, yeah. Um, actually, that, at that time, it was Billboard Live. Mm -hmm. And um, and we picked Tuesday night because there was nothing going mm -hmm. on. And we knew we could have it the whole night to ourselves. And that everybody in town who was into that type of music would be there. Because mm -hmm. there ain't nothing else. Did you do it often? We did it weekly. It was a weekly? Yeah. How long did it last for? Um, six months, and then there was a riot in the street, uh, shut down Sunset Boulevard. Really? Crips and Bloods, yeah. Um, so it was a hip-hop night, mm -hmm. and I did it, um, 
that was another great learning experience. So there were seven partners, mm -hmm. including you know Brian Austin Green, who was on mm -hmm. Melrose yep. Place yep. at the time, or nine hundred two and zero. Heather Hunter, the porn star. Mm -hmm. So we had. I'm not familiar with her. Of course not. <laughs> um, so we had a big crew, and you know a couple of the guys worked at record labels. Mm -hmm. So we were able to get um, release parties, mm -hmm. and we were able to, in some cases, charge the labels for having their acts play at mm -hmm. our, our event. Um, so we were making tons of money, and, and it was a Tuesday night. It was the only thing was, going. Yep. And we, um, after the first week, we made like 50 bucks each. Mm -hmm. But we had a great night. And then a couple of us decided we should make money doing this. So we, we instituted no guest list. Mm -hmm. Every each of the partners got ten wristbands you could hand out in advance, mm -hmm. and then everyone else had to pay. Mm -hmm. And um, and so we made a lot of money, mm -hmm. uh, or you know what at that time was a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, but we we neglected. We sort of fell victim to our own success, mm -hmm. meaning like every week there was a huge line at the door. We had you know Shaq would pull up with three limos mm -hmm. and see that everyone else was paying and so he would just pay for his whole crew and mm -hmm. you know janet jackson we had all these celebrities coming so everyone stopped working to build a great night mm -hmm. and just kind of coasted mm -hmm. and so it just yeah died it, down a little bit it didn't die out but we stopped attracting the right people mm -hmm. and then kind of word got out more broadly and so we end up with a room full of gangsters mm -hmm. and uh just the vibe totally changed. So what happened on that last night with the riot? The riot happened in the club? No, or? out on Sunset. Uh, and the sheriffs had to come and shut the street down and whatever. I forget who played that night. Um, but whatever happened, some guys got into a thing and and then that was it. My office is right oh, next really? to there. Yeah. So yeah. that's like my home turf. Yeah, I mean... Um, you know, it was yeah. a great time, and but it, like six months, and then it was over. Yeah, and then we tried to bring it back a few years later, or like a couple of years later. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, you know, I think for me that was a real lesson in the fact that um, when things are good, you have to work just as hard as mm -hmm. when they're when you're starting out. Oh yeah. Um, I'm not sure we knew that at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh. What about you? So what's gotten easier and what's gotten harder as you've done this? Easier is now that we've built a strong reputation, we're able to do the things we want to do. Yeah. You know, we can reach out. We have an idea or we're working with a brand. We can reach out to agents, say, this is what we want to do. And yeah. there's... Yeah, they, much they don't ask what have you done before right, right. if they did it would take take me a while so. sure. um, but we've built relationships at this point too yeah, but um, so that part that's part's been great because mm -hmm. now we can we can really do some really great things yeah um, harder is is really just a lack of time mm -hmm. um, I it's crazy, like, you know, I, I get to the office so early in the morning. And th my favorite thing is getting to the office at, like, 6.30. Mm. And 
I have until nine until I get my first email from somebody else. Right. But then like the day goes on and it's like, I'm always racing the clock until like, it's, you know, I try to leave by like five 30 so I can see my kids. Yeah. And I'm always racing the clock and the day goes by so fast and so mm -hmm. fast. And I want to get bigger, quicker. You know, you look at the weeks and you know, I'm already like focused on like what's happening in March and April and yeah. May. So, you know, the way that I, I manage that is I really want to start cutting the fat, you know, the things that don't really, not just like, you know, financially, the things that aren't really coming in, but I want, I want to focus on like bigger things, you know, like my first festival or like owning a venue or nice. bigger shows like that. Yeah. So, so how do you do that? How do you decide what to say no to? I used to say yes, but you know, there was a time when I first started where, you know, Julia could, could email me because she's like this up and coming DJ and she's got this SoundCloud that she wants yeah. me to listen to. And I would like call that person because I had nothing else to do. Julia's probably a good DJ. Yeah. Yeah. She's. It's <laughs> more like this. Right. Got to go to her first show. It's happening. <laughs> exactly. um, now, you know, now if it's something that I just know is, you know, it, it, it's not going to work or I, I, have, I have no problem saying no to yeah. anyone. Uh, but I'm honest about it. You know, if someone presents something to me, you know, most people might just ignore it. Right. But then they're just going to, like, follow up again. I'd just get on the phone with them and be like, look, I'm to be honest with you, it's it's not really the direction we want to go. Yeah. But I do appreciate you taking the time to, like, reach out. And maybe yeah. maybe sometime in the future we'll have an opportunity. I think that's huge, man. I'm, personally, my some of my favorite people are the ones who have taken the time even if it's 10 seconds to send yeah. an email and say hey this is not for me mm -hmm. like that is such a massive service that you provide somebody as opposed to just mm -hmm. ignoring them i mean that's that's business 101 yeah i mean any any business you're in that should be the first thing you know yeah i i i return every phone call i for the most part will respond to every single email that comes in mm -hmm. uh before i leave yeah and if I can't Same get here. to it, I you know I'll just let the person know that I'll take a look and get back to them. Right. Um, that stuff's important, and you know I expect the same from other people. You know if I if I call someone and I email them and they don't get back to me in a timely fashion, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. You know. So um, that stuff's that stuff's important. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you kind of talked about, you know, a venue, a festival. Wh where do you see, you mentioned each thing is taking you to the next step. Yeah. I'm not there. I'm not there yet. It's, I mean, it's places I want to yeah, go. Yeah, sure. I think now um, our main focus with Wicked Paradise, for example, um, last year was a great year because we, we became active in New York, active in Chicago and Miami. Yeah. So um, I'd like to definitely expand on that. We do, I think, I would say like around 50 Wicked Paradise parties a year in LA. So I'd like to expand on that and do get to 50 in Chicago and 50 in New York, 50 yeah. in Miami, get into San Francisco. How um, much, uh, when you go into a new city, mm -hmm. how much is different and how much is the same? Well, what's different is you don't have a following per se sure you know we've done so much here that we've got uh, a very strong mailing list right so in addition to 
the online marketing or whatever street marketing we do or promoters we work with, we also have like a massive mailing list course, that, yeah. that really benefits. Yeah. You know, you start somewhere new and you guys start all over. Yeah. Do you have, is, that, is there like a playbook that you follow as you go to each city? I think, um, I, I think having strong talent in, yeah. in a lot of new markets is, is the best way to do it. Yeah. Because you're, you know, if, if they're strong enough, you, you can rely on them to help you sell mm -hmm. the tickets. Mm -hmm. But the actual marketing protocol is the same. Right. Um, we might spend more money in an, in an other market. Right. In another market. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, we do some of our other format parties. So we just did our, our blog house party in Austin, Texas this past week. Nice. Um, that one's not artist specific. Yeah. But... Um, it's definitely got a, a very strong audience because of the music that's being played. Mm -hmm. So that one definitely works, and, but we've done it a few times there, so we've been building that list. I think having a strong venue partner in each of these markets sure. is, is very important as well. You yeah. want to be at a venue that is, you know, people go to, that has a strong marketing platform of their own. Mm -hmm. um, and the best way to get venues to want to work with you is you just build a great reputation because they 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 look they follow yeah of course so um yeah it's it, it's definitely a slow process when you build in other markets but it work you can still do it sure um i have like a lightning round i need to oh ask you like the james lipton kind of it's a, oh man, I'm a poor man's James. Should I take my jacket off? Definitely. <laughs> it's not different. Not wearing a shirt under it. Cool. <laughs> then definitely. Um, phone's frozen. Cool. What's your favorite city to travel to? Rome. I was just I there. Last yeah, one. loved it. It's the best, right? Yeah. I also uh, in the United States, I like going to New Orleans. Oh yeah. New Orleans is one of those cities I just love going to, and I love leaving because actually, Rome and New Orleans have a very similar thing in common. Really? They both have this amazing food. Yeah. That you want to eat at every meal. And by the time you're done, you don't, you don't want to eat it for like, That's so funny you're just you like, that. I mean, you're just like, like no more Cajun food, no more Italian food, Italian food. Like I can go a week without after Rome, but that's, yeah. That's funny you say that. I, we went to jazz fest this mm -hmm. year and then we went to Rome last month and I didn't put those together, but yeah, I mean, I noticed it in Rome, mm -hmm. like, okay, enough pasta. <laughs> But you can't like stop. Can't, no, of course. You can't stop. Right. Like every, yeah. But I was definitely like five days in. I was like, mm -hmm. all right, this is, I need something. I need mm -hmm. something. We actually went to Chinese food in Rome. You did? Yeah. Was it good? It was good. It was, it was just like Chinese food. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you get the Chinese noodles? Yeah. I mean, we got. You got the Chinese yeah. noodles. Yeah. So you actually kind of stuck to the. Kind of. Did, <laughs> but, uh, but we, you know, my son likes dumplings. And yeah. So did all that. But I just needed a break mm -hmm. from like pasta with pork. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so funny. Yeah, I never, I never drew that. New Orleans is worse though because that's that's like right. it's really bad for you. Yeah, but it's like heavy. amazing. So it's good. so good, and it's yeah. like 
by the end, it's just like, oh my God, I need yeah. to. Absolutely. Oh, I forgot to ask you this. Yes. Um, what other club brands or promoters or like, who do you look to that as a model or for mm -hmm. inspiration or? I'm, I respect a lot of the brands that are out there, but I don't pay too close attention mm -hmm. to what other people do. Um, not for any reason, other reason is I'm just like, you know, I don't, I really don't go out that often anymore. Yeah. Um, but I, I know I see it, you know, I, I, I respect, um, what, what I, what I like is there's a lot of brands all over the world and, you know, the aesthetic sure. of, of how they push out their, their content is really interesting. I don't know if I model okay. anything I do off it, but I do notice it. Yeah. Um, like specific ones you want to know some specific i mean I, do, are you familiar with selection yeah love what those guys do absolutely um the, the platform that they've built to showcase some amazing artists who have become really big on their own mm -hmm. has been um it, it's it's really great to like to watch um you know there's there's time mean, i'd have to think about it but um I'll, I'll come back to you another time. No, that's, <laughs> good. that's cool. Um, okay, back to our lightning round. Yes. Uh, who's your favorite DJ? My favorite DJ. Any genre? Any genre. Um, I really enjoy uh, uh, Solomon uh -huh. from uh, Dynamic. Cool. Uh, I think Solomon's really great. Music's great. Like his his way he's up on stage. Nice. What's the last great book you read? God. I don't read that. I can't finish books anymore. I mean, so I gotta imagine. think. I gotta think of the last the last really read. the last really good one I read was Scar Tissue, mm. the Anthony Kiedis yeah. autobiography. Um, I definitely tend to want to read autobiographies at this point. Uh -huh. um, yeah, my wife read that. She was. It's great. Have you read it? No. So, uh, do you like Chili Peppers? No. Don't. No. Really? But my wife's crazy about them. Yeah. And, uh, and my son took a improv class with his son. Really? Yeah. So they're they're interesting. They've been around forever. I mean, I respect the. Chili yeah, yeah, yeah. Peppers. I don't like to see how people having that much fun. You don't see oh at the shows? Yeah. Well, because now no, they're no. they're No, like the band. Like they just seem like they're having too much fun. Oh they yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, I've I've always loved the Chili Peppers, but I mean I, I we we were talking about first records like Blood Sex, Sugar Magic was yeah. I was in eighth grade when it came out. Crazy. Um that was that was a long time ago. Sure. Um but bands having fun, so I go I just wanna say something yeah, really quick. I just saw the Foo Fighters at uh, Wrigley Field uh -huh. in Chicago, and um, I, I mean, you can't. I, I I like the Foo Fighters. I've always liked their music. I don't love them though. Yeah. But seeing them live, seeing seeing those guys like run around stage for I think they played for three hours. Is that right? It's just like, it's just it's it's just great to see that that they still have it in them and they sure. still love doing it. But Scar Tissue right. was a good book. Nice. What movie have you seen the most in your life? 
Um, I do. I love. I love film. So this one's interesting because it's not my favorite movie. Right. But when I was in college, it was constantly on. So I'm sure you remember when VHS had two tapes. Yeah. When it was like a three-hour movie. Yeah, yeah. So we had Scarface on those two cassette tapes. Sure. And somebody stole the second tape. Oh, wow. Somebody, I don't know if someone got stole it or we just had that one tape. Uh-huh. So Luckily, it, it was out. part one where like Tony's like, and we used to watch that one tape. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I probably have seen that like 60, 70 times. That's hilarious. But um, another movie, cause just because if we're really talking about like what I've seen the most, because mm-hmm. as a kid, I would watch it all the time is I probably know the Goonies from like oh, yeah? start to finish, like every single line. That's cool. But again, not one of my favorite no, movies. No, I mean, they never are. Yeah. They never are. Like, we we end up with these movies yeah. that we see over and over. What's what's yours? Um, It's either, like, Fletch or... Fletch is amazing. Uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Mm-hmm. Or, it's those movies that, like, you don't put it on. Mm-hmm. It just comes on. Mm-hmm. Do you know what So I mean? every time it's on. Yeah, you just flip yeah. to it, and then you watch from wherever you started. Mm-hmm. You just watch it. Yep. And... Um, they're, yeah, they're not the greatest movies, mm-hmm. but they just... Fletch is pretty great. Yeah, it is. Fletch is pretty great. But it's, you know, you know, or, uh, you know Blazing Saddles, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Agreed. Yeah. Um, tell me one decision that changed your life forever. Getting married. Having Getting married yeah. became having kids. Sure. But that has definitely changed me because it, you know, I'm serious. I... I it took me a while to feel like I was serious, mm. you know, not feel like I was still a kid. Right. So having children completely changed it. Oh, I can totally relate to that. Yeah. It's like yeah. you understand life. Like you see your kids seeing things for the first time and it's like, oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I had the same experience. Um, and I had the thing, I don't know if, you know, I've tend to be pretty reserved sometimes Mm -hmm. and then i'm way more outgoing when i'm with my kid Mm -hmm. and i'll do like stupid things Mm -hmm. that i would just never do if he wasn't there that's i think being a dad yeah um every book that there's not many i love you dad books (laughs) mostly mom books for some reason yeah but the dads are the always the silly yeah that do the things that yeah so yeah, I get it. That's great. funny. Um, so complete this sentence for yourself. I don't have talent. I have blank. <laughs> I have drive. That's good. So if I worked for uh, Or Live Entertainment, mm-hmm. what's something I would hear you say over and over? <sighs> Definitely be honest. treat customers the way you'd want to be treated and be responsive just just the exact things we were talking about business 101 yeah that's that's it yeah you know if you can you swear on these things yeah i don't normally swear but if you fuck up um own it you know just tell 
me or whoever like what happened sure and we'll figure it out together how to how to fix it and we'll move on um these are these are all things that i used to you know i i was in business for a long time so i've i've learned these things yeah sure um it's just it's just business 101 it's teaching the things to the the person who's working with you Mm -hmm. to instill in them so that they can be the person you are yeah it's great it's not enough of that Mm -hmm. certainly in the in the nightlife business it's probably in all business mm -hmm. yeah i think nightlife is is definitely a little different for sure it's after dark Mm -hmm. there's a lot of shady Mm -hmm. shadiness Mm -hmm. um who would you be most excited to learn appreciates your work my father he does he does i'm not not a sentimental thing that's cool um he's you know he's like a my confidant when it comes to business and so you know i i can talk to him about anything and he understands it he doesn't necessarily understand the business per se because he's not in it but he understands business yeah so um and he always plays devil advocate he's always pushing me to to do even better yeah that's great to have that and i think i mean obviously just having that relationship with your dad Mm -hmm. but i think especially in the business you're in where of course he's not going to get that you know i mean i assume he's not a club guy uh although maybe he's been uh, (laughs) but he tries to tell me stories yeah is that right i don't believe them (laughs) (laughs) that's good enough like like how he was suave back in like the day is that right that's but the story doesn't make it sound like he's suave right you know what i mean yeah sure that's hilarious yeah it's 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 great and you know that's you know going back to having children is i want to be the same way I want my children to. They're not going to believe you either. They're not. Gonna, they're definitely not going to believe me, and I'm not going to tell them, right, any stories. They're not. They're not going to hear any of these stories, or this interview. That's right. Because you're going to cut that part out. <laughs> That's right. A, we have explicit <laughs> on the on the podcast. Um, thanks for doing this, man. This yeah, so man. Thanks for having me. This has been I great. I want to come to a party. You're always welcome. And, uh, you're always welcome. Maybe, maybe a day party. Of course, you're always welcome. Um, so how how should everybody find find you guys online? So uh, our revamped website will be up and running in the next few weeks. Okay. It's orloventertainment.com. Uh, find us on Facebook, Orlove Entertainment. And uh, obviously our brands are Wicked Paradise and Dance and Take Me Out. Um, just look us up. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Dope, man. Well, that's I appreciate it? that. Yeah, that's it. Is come that back. an hour? That's an hour. I would love to come back. This is really fun. This yeah, come fun. back anytime. There's lots more to talk about. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Can they, can they hear us hugging each other? Like, Let's bring it in. We'll hug it. Yo, that was Matt Orlove on Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Leave us a review on iTunes, a comment on Twitter, or Facebook at, at Rebel Radio Net. Uh, that's Rebel Radio Net. And um, you can check out videos from a lot of our episodes on our YouTube channel at Rebel Radio Net. And most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace. <laughs>